so many places I could start. You know, my, my spiritual conscious search uh, began when I was five years old. And for many of you, I could say pretty much the same thing. Your spiritual conscious search for God started at a very early age, four, five, six. And for a while, you had inner experiences, inner awareness. You knew a great truth about love, about peace, about God, about spirit. But then things got in the way, called the world. And part of that that got in the way that is the world are the belief systems that your parents put on you, that churches put on you, that people around you put on you. And I found for myself that as I was growing up, at first when I was five, six, seven years old, I was very aware of the movement of spirit, the movement of God in myself, in and around other people, and, and really lived in a, in a fluid membrane of loving. It was just, it was alive, and, and it just ever was moving, and I was just moving with it. And it was a wonderful experience. But then people started saying, now you can only do it this way, and this is right, and this is wrong, and this is up, and this is down. And after a while, I had all this vocabulary of the right and the wrong, the yes and the no. This is who you are. This is not who you are. You know, you're a boy. You're not a girl. Boys do it this way. Girls do it this way. You know, that type of definition being put on me. <laughs> and so I would get a, a, a word, an understanding about something, and the definition of that and begin to live it. Well, I did that up until the age of 10. At the age of 10... I realized that I did not like what was being given to me by these people and that a lot of what was being told me to me about right and wrong and who I am and who I'm not just didn't fit. And it was making me miserable trying to live according to other people's definitions, other people's words and those definitions of those words. And so... I got my a little journal I had, a diary, and started writing out all these words that I didn't like, that I just didn't like. And I'd been going to different churches, experiencing viewpoints of different religions. I'd been to the Baptist and the Episcopal. I'd been to Presbyterian. I went to Unitarian once. I went to a lot of different churches, to the, uh, the Catholic Church and to synagogue. And I heard ministers and rabbis and priests and teachers share all kinds of different stories about Jesus and about spirit and about who I am and what is soul and just everything. And so I had all this just kind of squished in here and I was trying to make sense of it. And over at this church, they said this was right and this was wrong. And over at this church, they said, no, 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 this is wrong and this is right. And it was just the opposite. And I couldn't make sense of 
how come over in this, this house of God, it's wrong to do this, and over at this house of God, it's fine to do this? And so finally, I sat down one day at the age of 10, and I just started writing out all the things that irritated me, that bothered me, that I questioned, that I doubted, that I just couldn't believe. And I wrote it all out. And then I got a dictionary. And the reason I got a dictionary is one of my teachers at school, she and I used to sit and talk after school. And I loved going in and talking to her because she liked to talk about, you know, religion and spirit and philosophy and all kinds of stuff. And I was just fascinated by it. I didn't understand a lot of what she was talking about, but I liked it. It felt good. And so she pulled out a dictionary one day and she said, do you know what this is? And I said, no, what is it? She said, well, it, I, I mean, I knew what a dictionary was, but she, she, in her life, what was this? And she said, this is how I found out how I wanted to live my life. And she explained to me what I was going through, that her grandmother taught her. She was raised by her grandmother, and her grandmother taught her how to live her life and gave her all these terms, all these beliefs, all this philosophy of life and how you're supposed to live it. And she realized at 23 that she was miserable. She was trying to live her grandmother's life, trying to live the definition that her grandmother gave her. And she was miserable. And all of her friends didn't understand her and didn't understand why she was living her life the way she was and doubted, put doubt into her and fear into her about it all. And she went to the Bible and she started reading the Bible thinking that that was going to help her. And it didn't. And then one day she was working as a, as a teacher by then and she was going through trying to do some work on her own for a doctorate that she was working on. And she was using the dictionary, and all of a sudden she started realizing that some of the things she was living wasn't maybe a true way of living it, because she was finding words such as sin, such as repentance, such as right, such as wrong, that had been defined by her grandmother that really it wasn't her definition. And when she started to read the real definitions according to Webster, she realized that maybe there were other definitions that she could be living according to her definition of words. So she started creating her own dictionary of her life. And I liked that. I thought, wow. So I went home and I got... I, I, I went home and I asked my mom to take me to a store so I could buy a dictionary. And she said, well, we've got dictionaries. And I said, no, I want my own. I want my own personal dictionary. So I went and bought a brand new Webster dictionary in 1959 and started creating my own dictionary of life. And it is amazing when I started going through and looking up all these words I had written out that had disturbed me, that I didn't like, but that people had put on me, 
or that I was trying to live and it felt really uh, a friction in my life, not a, a companion in, in supporting me, that I was not really living the life according to life I wanted. I was living somebody else's definition of things. And when I looked up the word sin, after hearing what they said at different churches, oh my goodness, <laughs> all the things I thought about sin, I just was so confused because of what the Baptist said, what the Methodist said, what the Catholic said. And then you go to synagogue and it's a whole different idea of sin. What? Yeah, synagogue. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> so, when I looked up the word sin and it just said to turn away from, I thought, oh my gosh, that's it. It's simply a way, it, are you turning towards the creator or away from the creator? And in that, there is no being condemned to hell if you're a sinner. It just means you're now looking into the world for answers and solution and experience and on a journey into the world to do so. And that the direction to move towards would be to repent, to toward, turn back towards God. And I went, oh my God, that's what I've been doing all this time. Since I was five years old, when I had a very profound experience with God, I have always put God first. I've always searched out God in everything I'm doing, whether it be in my inner experience or in the outer. And when I would go to these churches and listen to all the, the talk, all the preaching that was given, and what the Bible said according to them, I would get confused because I would go in looking for God to find God in that church, in that teaching, in these people. But what I found instead was energies that seemed to work against God in me. I don't even know if that makes sense to you. But it was squashing that part of me, that divinity, it was squashing it to the point that I didn't know how to access it. And so by when I started getting these new definitions that were my definitions, my words, my meanings, it began to all open up again and I began to find God in a brand new way at the age of 10 to where I began to truly be able to live God first and God only. And up until then, I knew God was first because when I would go inside in my prayers, I would find God right away by just going inside and moving above all those things that were of the mind, the emotion, and the body. And that was very easy for me to do at that age. But when I came back down into the world and had to live within my body with all that was going on here, body, imagination, emotion, and mind, especially mind, and all that had been put into my mind about right and wrong, yes and no, I had a hard time feeling my way through it and finding God in the world the way I had wanted to. But when I began to find 
the truths for myself, the definitions of these words for myself, and began to then free myself and just let those things drop away that had been given to me and put upon me to stand free, I began to find God in, in a wonderful way in the world. And I was able to bring that which I found in my prayer and my awareness of God, not my quest, but just my awareness of God that I knew and be able to bring it back down into the world and begin to live it more fully in my daily life. And so that's what, in a sense, we're talking about here, is how do you do that? One thing is to begin, if you haven't already done so, to find the truth for yourself. What is true for you? What is your truth? Are you living your truth or are you living the truth that has been taught you by others? And is the truth that was taught to you by others the truth that is really serving you? Or is there another truth that inside you want to live but you're afraid to because if you do, you're making them wrong? I say that because my mom and my dad they gave me a very good definition of life, a very good definition of right and wrong. They didn't go to church. We didn't read the Bible and come up with a philosophy out of terms of Christian te uh, terminologies. They pre presented life to me through their own experience. And it was a good experience. They both had had a lot of experience in their life. They both had learned a great deal in their life. But a lot of what they were teaching me also had their limitations. And I was taking on their limitations. And I remember as I began to come up with all these new definitions of me and of my life and how I wanted to live my life and what I believed, I realized that some of the things that my mom had taught me, that my father had taught me, weren't really mine. They really weren't going to work for me. And I felt guilty. It was like, oh my God, I'm making my parents wrong. This isn't good. I shouldn't make them wrong. And I would struggle so hard to find a way to make what they taught me right. That I can do this. I can make it work this way. But I found that I couldn't. That which was true inside of me that I was finding in this movement of loving with God didn't match exactly how they were living their life. And I either had to choose how to live my life according to the way they were living it in the world or I could choose to live the spirit of me in the world. And I had to let go of a lot of things that my mom and dad taught me. And that's where I began to learn about forgiveness and acceptance. I went in every morning in my prayer state before I would get up to go have breakfast and get ready for school. I would go in and I would just say to my mom, I would, I would call her present, I would say, Mom, come here. And... In my mind, I would say, these things that you taught me are wonderful, and I like them. 
but these things that you've taught me, they really don't serve me. They don't match who I am. And so I'm going to give them back to you. And I appreciate you teaching them to me, but I'm not going to live it this way. I'm going to live my life my way. I never talked to her for a long time. I mean, years and years later, uh, just about what I'm talking to you about now, consciously in the physical. But I talk to her every day. I talk to my dad every day. And then later on with my brother, when he started spouting his philosophy on me, which was totally different from my mom and dad's, totally different. And, but I would begin to do that. And I realized that this is that process of loving, accepting, and forgiving. Accepting them as they are, accepting their beliefs just as they are, not trying to change them. Forgiving them for trying to put on to me something that really isn't my nature. And forgiving myself for taking it on and accepting that there's something different inside of me that I want to live, not the way that they're living, and make that all okay and to move into that. I hope that makes sense. So I would invite you to look, one, look when you were four, five, six, seven years old. And look and see, in the innocence of who you were back then, what were you living? How were you living? What were you believing? And see if back then, there was this wonder, this child of loving, this person having experience at a very, really profound level of spiritual movement inside of you that maybe you wouldn't have called spiritual at the time. It was just who you were. Maybe it was in an action of what your parents called imagination. Oh, they're just going off on their imagination again. But was it? Or were you really living more the truth of who you were back then? And that somewhere as you were growing up, people put their own definitions on you and you began to live them instead. And you began to lose sight of the truth that you had been living begin to search out that truth of who you are. You are divine. You are a soul and a child of God. And that soul, that divinity that you are, is loving. And it is ever seeking to express itself, ever seeking to be fulfilled in this moment and the next and the next. And it's for us to let go of all those things to stand between us and the fulfillment of that action of loving. Just to let go of it. And for me, it was getting my definitions right. I'll tell you what, I used to talk about the dictionary as a second Bible. Because to me it was. It became my Bible. I carried the dictionary around with me everywhere I went. I had a dictionary in my locker in high school. I had a dictionary at home. And if something came up and I didn't understand it, I'd go look up different words that people were spouting to see what they really meant. And I got my own truth. 
Yeah, for a lot of people, my truth is crazy. They think I'm crazy. My dad thought I was weird. Every time I would really speak about my own inner experiences, my dad would just turn to me and go, you're weird. You're just so weird. You know? And I just decided to go look up weird. <laughs> it's funny, I live in the city of weird. <laughs> Maybe I chose that so I could stay weird, just like the city. But when I looked up weird, it was like, okay, I don't mind being weird. It's living according to your definition of life. And other people are going to think it's weird because it doesn't match their definitions. But they don't have to match. As long as you're living your truth, that's all that matters. Then you are a fulfillment to yourself and to that which is God in you, the soul. You are a living fulfillment of that. I would rather be weird than normal or ordinary or a part of the crowd, if that's what it would be called. I would rather be weird if that's the case. And I can tell you this, living the life I've lived, living more focused on God first and God only, is a much more joyful life and a much more full life than living trying to fulfill the things in the world. My brother was always going after the better job, going after the more money, going after the title so that he could hold it up to people and say, look, I'm this now. This is who I am. This is how much money I make. And look at the car I'm driving. You know, I mean, Literally, that's how he measured his life for a long time by. And I would watch that, and he was getting successful, and he was making good money, and he had all these different titles he had placed on him over, over different jobs. And for a while, I thought, God, some, I'm doing it wrong. You know, when I was sweeping the floors at HEB, in San Antonio, Texas, and cleaning the shelves and putting things back and restocking, I thought, I'm doing it wrong. What am I doing here? You know, I should be out trying to get the bigger job, the better job. But I wasn't. It was so strange. I just kept on doing my work at HEB. And then I got promoted, and now I'm packaging groceries and I was going to be learning cash register next. I thought, wow, okay, I'm doing all right. And then somebody came and liked who I was. I remember seeing this man. He'd come in and he'd buy some groceries, and then he'd stand over by the door, and he would just watch people. And then one day, he bought some groceries, and he said, after work, come outside and look for me. I want to talk to you. And, and I said, well, I don't get off for four hours. He says, I'll be back. Don't worry. And he was. He was out there. And he says, I want to offer you a better job because I like who you are. I like how you are with your customers. And so I took the job. And that's how I always was moved along. I never went out searching for the next job like my brother taught me. He said, oh, no, you've got to be searching. You've got to always be out there talking and promoting yourself and you know, building yourself up in other people so that you get the better job. 
Well, I never did that. I just couldn't do it. That's not who I was. My experience was just living in the flow, living in the loving, living in the moment. Not living like, okay, this isn't good enough. I've got to go further. I've got to get more. So I took the other job. I worked there for seven months. And then somebody approached me while I was working one day and said, could we get together for coffee afterward, after your work? I want to talk to you. And they offered me another job. And that's how it happened. I just moved from one job to another because people offered it to me, not because I was out there looking. I never applied. I never filled out, you know, a form asking for a job, an application. Can't even remember what to call because I never filled out one. <laughs> so it's, it was just so funny how that worked. But I began to find how to live my life, to live in the flow, to live in the moment, to allow God and Spirit to bring things to me, and that it was for me to choose. And I remember I had been at this art gallery working for nine years and managing three stores, art gallery and, frame, and, and frames. And one day I got a phone call. And on the phone call, it was a very good friend of mine who I knew. She said, Jim, I've got, I'm going I'm to make you an offer and you cannot refuse this offer. And I go, what? And she says, I want you to come over. I want you to quit your job and come over here and become an assistant manager for me at the store I'm working at. And I go, well, you know, what would I be doing? She said, well, you're going to be, and it was a health food store, and I was going to be selling vitamins and working at a juice bar and blah, blah, blah. And I says, well, how much does it pay? And she's told me how much I'd be making. And she said, you'll be an assistant manager and eventually maybe become a manager. And when she told me the price, the, 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 the salary, I went, oh, no, that's a lot less than I'm making. And inside, Spirit said, what are you saying? We always move to what's next. And I went, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I said, <laughs> I said all right, I'll come. Give me two weeks to tell them here. And so I did, and I moved on. I was there three weeks, and the manager of one of the other health food stores in, in town quit, and so she was moved over there, and I became manager and made a much bigger salary. I had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> but with that, they so I wouldn't know what I was doing as a manager, they sent me to St. Louis University for 10 months to get a degree in clinical nutrition so that I could really be a clinical nutritionist in the job I was doing. And I became a clinical nutritionist, which was amazing. Somebody who just had a high school education, all of a sudden, here I was. So, it, but it was all spirits doing. It had nothing to do with my focus, my choosing. So for me, my definition of life was very different from my definition of my brothers or my fathers or my mothers and how I moved in my life. And that's what you want to find for yourself, both on the inner search as well as on the outer. There's a lot of definitions 
that you may be running that are also blocking you from going inside and really being able to just look up and see the divinity in you, the soul. Because you have judgments that you've placed on yourself according to these definitions that have been put on you early on. And maybe you have to go back and forgive those people that put those definitions on you and forgive yourself for accepting those definitions and then living them without ever looking to find out, well, what is your truth or not? And so you have to clear that inner and the outer in order to really, truly be able to live yourself in a fluid movement of the divine in you. And so remember that we have placed things between us and God over all this lifetime, even as children. And we've got to go in there and just confront them, meet them, love them, move through them, release them. And I'll tell you, a lot of us just let going of it, just let go of it. And that's where sometimes forgiveness is involved, acceptance is involved, loving is involved. But you know the easiest way to move all of that really quickly? This is the easy way. This is a shortcut is just focus here in loving. And you don't have to believe loving. You don't have to think loving, feel loving. Just be telling yourself, I'm in my loving right now, and I am sharing that loving with God right now. And know that that loving is going to God, whether you believe it or not. That action of putting loving in action begins to dissolve everything that stands between you and God. That loving is going to go to God. That loving is not going to go anywhere else because you've directed it to God. That's where it's going to go. And the loving longs to be back in the loving in God. And so it is just going to burn away all those things that stand between you and God. Really and truly, that's the beauty about this inner meditation. And a lot of those things will drop away. But you know what the challenge of all that is? A lot of those things will drop away. And there you stand in a whole new consciousness of loving. And then the next thing you do is you go and you try to put back together all the things that just got dissolved. Because I'm so comfortable with this. Where did that go? I, oh, come on. You know, I, I've got to have a little judgment on myself or it's not my... It's not about me. I can say that because I went through all that. I know. But you learn to live in a new life. You learn to live in a new consciousness. A consciousness that's fluid, that's loving, that's moving, that is really in alignment with the truth of who you are. And once you're living that truth, you're not going to ever let yourself go back. Because it's painful then. And then you can look back and go, wow, I was in a lot more pain than I thought. All that time I was telling myself, oh, it's okay, I can do this, there's no problem. It wasn't. It was just suffering through it. And God doesn't want us to suffer here. God wants us to experience here and enjoy here and learn and grow here so that we as soul can come into the greater fulfillment of who we are in the divinity of who we are, which is loving, which is creativity, 
which is peace and joy. So when you do your day, look to see what are the definitions you're living by. Is that mom talking? Is that dad talking? Are you living your dad? Are you living your mother? I can't tell you how many times I've met people that have said, you know, I'm doing it just the way my mom or my dad taught me. Or like my school teacher said, her grandmother. See if you want to live life according to you and to the divine in you. And if you do, start spending some time every day in meditation. Close your eyes, go inside, and meet the truth of who you are, the true you, the soul. And confront, meet up with all those things that are not you that have been put on you, that you've accepted as you. And begin to just let go of them, however you want to do that. And live the truth of you. This pathway is a pathway of waking up and knowing the truth of you as soul. And waking up as soul into the creator of all things, the creator of you and start living in that fluid movement of the divine and living more in the eternal rather than the finite. And having that eternal moment where it's loving, 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 loving. And yeah, as long as you're in a body, there's going to be disturbances. There just is. That's the way of the world. But you can move through those those disturbances in loving and make it a lot simpler and easier and move through them a lot quicker and not have barriers put up for you so that you all of a sudden find no way out, no way to do, no way to move forward. Maybe you don't move forward. Maybe you just move up and over. Maybe there's nothing to do with it other than let's just move on. I found that a lot of things for me, when I just accept them the way they are, they step aside and I can move on. But when I go into resistance and start fighting, go, yeah, I'll show you. I'll show you who's right. I'm there for months trying to prove that I'm right, and they don't even give a damn. (laughs) They don't care because they know they're right and I'm wrong. So it's better just to... Allow them to have their truth and to move into acceptance of what is and you go ahead and live your life and be free of it. 